Back in March, I represented Women Offshore at the Women with Energy Conference in Houston, Texas. This was a networking opportunity that I was very excited for because it was my first face-to-face meeting with the other women's networks I had met online. I sat on a panel to talk about online networking. Also on that panel was Katie Maynard, CEO of Pink Petro, Elizabeth Simonstad, founder of Sea Sisters, and Kara Byrne, president of the Women's Energy Network's Houston chapter. Today, I'm recapping this event. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is an online organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. On March 27th in downtown Houston, the Offshore Energy Center Society and the Ocean Star Offshore Drilling Rig Museum and Education Center hosted the Women with Energy Summit. Energy and maritime executives shared their expertise during this dynamic event. Women and men connected during the networking breaks. Panels providing professional development experiences engaged the audience to cover what it's like being an energy leader, how to develop positive energy, the revival of energy, and the growing online networks that are available. The Women with Energy Summit was also a fundraiser for the Offshore Energy Center Society and Ocean Star Offshore Drilling Rig Museum and Education Center. The OEC Society is dedicated to expanding awareness of the vast energy resources available beneath the world's oceans and to chronicle the unique heritage and technological accomplishments of the industry that discovers, produces, and delivers these resources to mankind in a safe and environmentally responsible way. After the Women with Energy Summit, I met with Sea Sisters founder and editor Elizabeth Simonstad. Elizabeth started working on the water in January 2010 as a deckhand on an ocean-going tugboat out of Seattle, Washington. In her first four years working on the water, Elizabeth was the only female on board. Eventually, she found herself in Valdez, in a fleet rich with diversity. That's when she had the idea of Sea Sisters. Founded in 2016, Sea Sisters is an online community to inspire young women and stand as proof that many women are actually at sea making a living. Sea Sisters shares stories and career options on their website to address how to get started, what barriers can be encountered along the way, and how to get documentation in order. I'm now going to play my interview with Elizabeth. I hope you will enjoy it. She shares some great stories. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's good. Good. Hey, this is Ali Cedeno with the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm here with Elizabeth Simonstad. Did I say your last name right this time? Yes. Yes, you Okay. Did. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so we met for the first time at the Women with Energy Summit in Houston, Texas. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you, Elizabeth. We had met online before that. Uh, so, yeah, it was just great meeting face-to-face. And 
I love your story, how you got into the maritime industry, and I thought you should come on the podcast and share that with our audience. Thank you. So, Elizabeth, tell us, how did you get into the maritime industry, and what are you doing now? Uh, at the moment, I'm working on a tugboat in San Francisco Bay. I am a deckhand and also now a part-time engineer. I took the job as a deckhand in order to get in with the company I wanted to work for. And before that, I was a chief mate on a tugboat in Alaska doing oil spill response and tanker escort work. Before that, I was towing barges from Florida to Puerto Rico as a second mate on tugs. Uh, and then prior to that, I was a deckhand uh, working for a tugboat company in Alaska, and I went to a school in Seattle to get my original license. So I was doing that as a deckhand, and that was my first job on the water. So that's how I got my license there, and I went from there. Okay, so when you say you went to school for this, did you go to college for this? Did you go to a maritime academy? I did not go to college for this career. I actually did go to college at the University of Washington, and I got a degree in European studies there, which is just hilarious because I'm not, you know, it's like I'm not doing anything with that now, you might think. Um, but I got my bachelor's degree there, and I came back to the Bay Area, which is where I'm from. And um, I I kind of just looked around and didn't know what, careers I was really interested in. Um, I didn't want to go to work in the field that I'd studied. So a friend of mine suggested I try becoming a ship agent. Uh, in the maritime industry, a ship agent is a person who boards cargo ships and handles all of the ship's business, business while it's in port. Um, so I ended up getting that job, and I did that for two years and got um, intimately familiar with the maritime industry in San Francisco Bay and beyond and realized I wanted to be on the water. So was there one point where you thought, I need to go work on tugs? Yes, definitely. Uh, it was just a few months into my work as a ship agent when I started meeting people who work on the water, especially maritime pilots. And as I got to know them on the ships I was working on, some of them started to encourage me to take my career further and to go and shoot for that kind of ultimate goal. And I had no idea before anyone told me about this that I could do that for myself. I didn't know that that was a possibility for me. So when people started actually saying this to me, it really planted a seed in my mind and this ambition started to grow. So I took off after a couple of years of agent work and snagged a position as a tugboat deckhand and a cadet with the school in Seattle that I uh, got my license from. And I took off in the middle of January for Alaska on an ocean-going tugboat towing a cargo barge. <laughs> so what did your friends and family think when you said, hey, I want to go work on a tug in Alaska? <laughs> uh, so my dad was a mariner, and he tried for more than a year to talk me out of it um, because he knows that it can be a hard life, it can be dangerous, it can be pretty tough on your personal life because you're gone a lot, and it uh, can be really lonely out there, which I discovered, you know, it's pretty true. But uh, I think I look back, and one of the funniest things was my mom's reaction, which was kind of like just complete surprise coupled with complete support. Uh, when I told her, she was just sort of like, okay. She didn't even bat an eye. I was amazed because I was thinking, oh, God, mom's going to flip out when she hears I want to go work on a tugboat. So it was definitely a lot of mixed reactions. My boyfriend at the time was not supportive of it. And, you know, it was it was a kind of a rough time in my life. And we weren't on solid ground at all. I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
But when I realized that this was an opportunity that was available to me, I just didn't want to do anything else after that. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Can you take us back to that first day or even the first week? What was that like for you, getting on the tugboat for the first time? Yeah, Uh, it was amazing. And it was, to be honest, completely terrifying. Uh, I kind of had an idea of what to expect. But at the same time, I had zero idea of what to expect. So I went into it like, okay, I've got my work boots and my work pants and my sweatshirt and some gloves. And, like, I don't know, you know, what else do I need? Um, The first day we did what you normally do when you're getting ready for an ocean voyage or a near-coastal voyage where you're going to be gone for a while, you load stores. And, like, I didn't even realize that was a thing. So you get these big boxes of food, frozen foods and fresh foods, and you're hucking them across the deck of this boat in the shipyard where we're tied up, you know, getting ready to go on this trip. And these guys I've never seen before are looking at me like, what is that? Like, who is this person who is loading stores <laughs> with us? It was pretty great. The people I worked with in those first few weeks were very surprised to see me there. And then after a few days of having me around and getting to know me, most of them were super nice. Uh, they were really, you know, there were great people, a lot of great guys who taught me so much in those first few weeks, and I was thrilled. Uh, you know, I, I was watching them work and learning a ton and watching the inside passage of Southeast Alaska and British Columbia go by. It was stunningly beautiful. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Uh, so those first few weeks are, were a shocking change from my past life, but they were really vivid and completely transformative. Did you see much wildlife while you're up there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Southeast Alaska, as many people who are in that area know, is full of wildlife. And I saw in the first few weeks, I saw a lot of doll's porpoises, definitely a lot of whales. Uh, but it was winter. Uh, the, that first trip was January, February. So it wasn't as active as Alaska can be in the summer with, like, with orcas and a lot of seabirds, otters. Um, but... There was just so much beauty in uh, in the animals and in the scenery. Great. Looking back over the last few years, is there anything, any sort of sea story you could share with us, a moment that really stands out in your mind? Maybe there's a lesson that you learned that you'll you'll take forward in your career? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite sea stories is uh, a particular summer when we were towing barges from Jacksonville, Florida to San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, it had been a year and a half since I had gotten that job, and I was definitely struggling with the schedule because it was like two trips on and one trip off. So I was pretty tired, and I was thinking about making a change. So <clears throat> we were headed through the Bahamas on our way to San Juan, and the air conditioning broke on the boat. And uh, these are pretty old tugboats, like 40-year-old boats. They're they're very basic, very sturdy, um, and they're, you know, just dense steel builds. And they have very little insulation in the south there because they don't really need it. They're just hot enough already. And there's these two 20-cylinder diesel engines. They're massive, massive engines that are going just full blast. So with no air conditioning, that boat turned into a sauna within minutes. And... Uh, because the compressor was vibrating too much, it broke the seals on the pipes, so all the refrigerant leaked out, and we had no air conditioning for the next three nights on the way to Puerto Rico. So I slept outside for the next three days, 
And we got it kind of fixed up in San Juan. They soldered the pipes back together and recharged the refrigerant. So we turned around after we finished our cargo and we headed back to Florida. But but it happened again because they didn't fix the compressor. So the pipes broke, all the R22 leaked out, and we had no air conditioning for the next four days. And my room was in the four peak and we had all the doors open just for some cross crosswind. Uh, but we had a following wind. So all this wind is taking vent gases and all this stink from, you know, our tanks is coming straight down from the deck into my room in the four peak. And no matter what I did, um, I couldn't sleep. No fan, nothing. I was sleeping with ice on my neck. I just couldn't take it. So I took my entire mattress outside and I stuffed it between the rail and the wheelhouse on the bow of the boat. And I slept there for a few nights. And I have some pictures of waking up to these beautiful columnar clouds and over the Atlantic Ocean and the Bahamas, and it was quite the experience, but when we made landfall, we were all just total zombies. We hadn't had any sleep in the heat, so we went to hotel rooms and slept it off in the air conditioning that first night, and that was the point when I just said I need to leave Florida. I was done. The idea of going through that again was too much for me to even think about, so at that point, I went back to Alaska, and I don't know if there aren't really any lessons to be had there, but it was very entertaining. It was awful at the time, but it's a <laughs> funny story to tell because, you know, what are you going to do? It's June in the Bahamas on a tugboat with no air conditioning. Uh, yeah, yeah that sounds guys, brutal. I, yeah, it was awful. I've talked to guys since, too, who told me the similar stories, like back in the 80s on the same boats, too. So you are the founder of org. On the website, you put up women's stories, share these sea stories of women across the industry. I absolutely love what you're doing over there. Please tell us how you got started. What inspired you to create TeaSisters.org? Yeah, so when I first started working on boats, I looked around on social media. I tried to reach out to friends who might know of women who are in the industry currently or who had been in the industry who could tell me what to expect. You know, like on that first day, I had no idea how it was going to go. I didn't know how I was going to be received. I didn't know how to act. And sometimes you wonder, just do I belong here? Am I, am I uh, doing the right? Am I doing this right? You know, and I looked around for somebody who could just tell me, you know, maybe this is what you can expect. Or if you encounter someone saying negative things, uh, to have somebody who's there to tell you, you belong. You know, you're doing great. But I couldn't find anyone. I couldn't really connect with anyone. And and that was really before, like, Instagram and before a lot of uh, social media sites came along that connected um, a lot of mariners with each other. So um, I couldn't really find anyone. And there were some ladies who had come up, like, in the 70s and 80s in the industry, but it was hard to get a hold of them, too, at the time. And I wasn't really familiar with how to network with them yet. So... So fast forward a few years, and uh, I worked with a woman on the boat together for the first time on the on the Puerto Rico towing run, and that was super fun. Um, great experience working with her. And then fast forward a few more years, and I'm in Valdez, Alaska, and at this point now I'm surrounded by women because it was uh, a fleet that was very friendly to uh, that kind of gender diversity. There were a lot of women. There was like a woman on every boat. And for the first time, I was making friends with women who did the same thing I did for a living. 
And um, it made me think, I really want to bring these people together. You know, we're all here. We're together. We're in the same place. Um, but there was no real cohesive uh, feeling of community for me. And so if I was starting out again in the industry the way I did, you know, eight years ago, I would love to find a place where that group of people is gathered in one place with a common goal where I could read the stories of other women, where I could find those resources I needed to become a mariner if I became interested in that and I didn't know where to start. So I basically established the thing I was looking for all along. You know, I realized that I can't find it, so I have to make it. I created the website. I, yeah, I asked my friends and acquaintances in the industry to join me on the project just by, you know, they could offer a photo of themselves in the workplace and write up a bio for themselves. And we started with the question, how did you get started in the maritime industry? And I had several awesome people, some of whom I knew personally, and some of them I hadn't, hadn't even met yet. Uh, we were just connected online. And a lot of women graciously provided me with their stories. And I did some editing if I had to, and then I published their stories. Uh, we went live in April 2016, and the response to our website was just electrifying, and it was life-changing for me. At that moment, I really knew that I had created the thing that I needed and that I think a lot of other women need in this industry. That's awesome. I love what you've created there. Some people might yeah. think that we are competitors, but we have the same values, and we're working together. And Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have met you in person, and I just am looking forward to our relationship growing and our websites growing with that. It's, we have a lot in store for the future. Yeah, so excited. Okay, <laughs> last question for you. Okay. Is there any piece of advice you would give someone just starting out in the industry? Yeah, I definitely have a lot of things I could say, but if I were to distill it to a few points, I would say, first of all, always be kind to yourself because uh, it's hard enough out there. You're going to be lonely. You're going to have people pushing against you. And when you go into that environment, you're never going to know everything right off the bat. It takes a really long time to learn stuff. <clears throat> you could go into the tugboat environment or the ship environment. You could watch an evolution. You could watch your crew, for instance, make and break tow or watch people handle lines and tie up a barge, and you could have no idea what they're doing <clears throat> because you're not familiar with it. Uh, in my experience, it took months and often, uh, you know, a year or more to understand what I was looking at and participating in it. And you might find that one day you're you're doing it and you're watching it and it all makes sense. It all falls into place. Uh, it takes time to recognize that, though, because, it you know, it, it sneaks up on you. You look back and you realize how much you've learned. Um so we'll never know everything on the first day and certainly don't go in acting like you know everything on the first day because you're going to have some problems if you do that. But that kind of goes hand in hand with my next piece of advice, which would be to ask questions all the time. People really trust you and respect when they see that you're willing to be curious and you're willing to admit that you don't know something. And when you ask for coaching and for advice, it helps grow the trust between you and your crewmates. And it also kind of helps you trust in yourself when you're willing to learn things and seek help when you need it. And my last piece of advice is seek support. You know, I don't know anyone in this industry who can really do it all alone. Um, it, you're isolated enough as a woman in that, you know, in that male-dominated industry. So I think it's important to surround yourself with people who encourage you 
because you really you feed off the energy of the people around you. So take care of yourself by surrounding yourself with a strong support system. Those people are out there, you know, maybe you have to go and find them, but uh, make a network for yourself. We're all here, you know, we're all out here ready to provide mentorship and support for women and girls coming up in the industry. And um, I think it is, it's a great resource and a really good thing to do to uh, create your network. Great. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so those are all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 3. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about Sea Sisters, you can visit us at www.seasisters.org and feel free to drop us a message via the contact page. Next time on the Women Offshore Podcast, we are checking in with a mom who works offshore. I sent her a handful of questions, and she emailed me her responses and audio clips from her ship. Until then, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon.